You're listening to Childcare Voices. Lack of affordable childcare and low pay for childcare workers is a major cause of poverty and inequality. We are Grow Your Own, an oral history project that is looking to the past for inspiration to tackle the problems we face today. We're on a mission to record the history of childcare organising and share lessons from the past. We've brought together a group of people who are all affected by childcare in some way to research the historical roots of the issues they face. As they look into the past, will they find a solution that helps them? Hi, my name is Imran, a community organiser with Together in Unity, a group of migrants with lived experience of no recourse public funds. I have two children aged five and six. Our community group consists of single parents who have experienced challenges and traumas, such as domestic violence, mental health issues, housing problems, and childcare challenges. We campaign on these issues to ensure that people who have lived experience of these issues, especially those on low income, are included in policy development. This podcast explores the challenges of families with no recourse to public funds in relation to child care. Since I became a father from day one, I have been involved with my children in all aspects of their lives. I used to take them both in a buggy on a busy commute in the morning to my brother-in-law in East London before going to work. Then I collected them after work and committed back home, south of the river, to Clapper. Being a migrant with no recourse to public funds meant that either me or my partner had to be a stay-at-home parent. During lockdown, me and my wife decided that I am going to look after the children full-time because of the cost of child care. I became a stay-at-home dad I would like to find out what discussions and decisions other families in similar situations have had to make regarding childcare, especially migrants who don't have the support system of a bigger family and can't access help from the government. What was the situation for migrants to Britain in the past? Did they have better access to childcare? In this oral history interview, we hear from Charlie Peters, a nurse and mother who migrated to the UK from the Caribbean in the 1970s. And the stories that people told us before when they came here, you know, to this country, when, you know, they left their children with childminders, who, you know, they came back and the nappies was, you know, and they left them sitting in the pushchair and, you know, they just gave them a bottle and they had to be prop fed and I didn't like that. You know, and they would be left in the same dirty nappy or soaking nappies and would change them just at the time when they felt that the parents were coming to pick up the children or if the parents happened to walk in unannounced you know they'd find not very good so from that aspect I was always fearful of um, yeah Mm. leaving children and some of the places they had only one room you know and not enough places for the children to crawl I mean not that the homes that they came from were any different but it was just the environment that the immigrants lived in when they first you know came here for me the nursery setting was much better because you had more eyes around and ears Shirley explains the childcare issues faced by the Caribbean community 
who came to the UK to work. They often had to leave their children with childminders who were not registered or trained. So it seems migrants to the UK in the past faced their own childcare challenges, just as we do. But Shelley was lucky enough to find an affordable nursery place for her own child in the 70s. These places were very rare in the 1970s, but perhaps they are just as hard to find for migrants to the UK today. Listening to an interview with Jenny Williams, a long-time campaigner for nurseries, made me realize that often nurseries existed because groups of people came together to campaign for them. Here, she explains that migrant parents often needed nurseries badly, as she discovered when she campaigned for a nursery place for students at the university where she studied. Lots of people from mostly West Africa, actually, but a lot of parents, and uh, they had, because they had no means of uh, looking, having the children cared for, they were sent to foster parents. And a lot of the parents were really worried about this because they were mostly white foster parents and they weren't getting to see their children because they were very often really far away from where they were actually living. And so we started this campaign and we had a very, very... I suppose you could say active group who were on this trade union studies. And they were mostly men, but they were mostly men from uh, areas of, I mean, all over Britain, which had beca- they'd become basically redundant. I mean, like steel workers and people like that, um, who decided that they were going to study industrial relations. And, you know, it's one of the reasons for going there. It was a, it had this very good industrial relations course with a lot of really interesting tutors on it. So we actually sort of started working with them and and having this campaign. So it was lovely because it wasn't just these feminist women. It was these guys as well who did actually appreciate why we needed it. And uh, what we, of course we did in those days was we occupied everything all the time. And so we occupy, and well, I tell you, it's quite funny. We ha- we had this debate, and that we were going to basically push for this uh, nursery, and we had a space identified, and we I sort of worked out the cost. We knew how much it was costing and everything, and the directorate were just in transigent. They didn't want to know. So um, I always remember on the Friday evening, um, we were approached by the um, another sort of political group saying, we don't think the time is quite ready. And I said, well, tough, on Monday morning, um, we're going to occupy the director's office. And I said, and anyway, um, most of the guys gone home and, uh, you know, the decision's been taken. <laughs> and it was always very funny because what, what they had done is that they had talked to all the caretaking staff. So the caretaking staff knew what was happening. And we did. We all kind of, there's this picture in The Guardian of all of us sitting in the director's office waiting for a, an agreement. And we eventually got an agreement and we had a nursery set up. And it was it was um, right in the middle of the building, actually, another porter cabin, you know, I think. Uh, and what was really sad was that uh, some of the children, you hadn't seen their parents for like three months and so we had loads of tears because parents, you know, were bringing their children in. And it was it was really, really, you appreciated that you were doing something positive. Today, 
we still need affordable childcare so that parents, and in particular, migrant families who do not have a support network, can be able to go to work and provide for their families and, at the same time, contribute to the economy. We also need flexible working agreements from employers to enable parents to be able to raise a family without compromising on their employment opportunities. The availability of childcare places has also dropped due to the sector-facing problems after the pandemic and the cost-of-living crisis. The Chancellor's 2023 budget announcement to expand childcare provision for families was a welcome development. Today's childcare reforms will increase the availability of childcare, reduce costs, and increase the number of Unaffordable childcare is one of the biggest issues of this decade. So many families are struggling with the cost of living, and some migrants are restricted from accessing childcare at all. A full time childcare place for a child under two costs at least £14,000 a year without any state support and limited access for family networks. It is unaffordable for many migrant parents to work, especially those with young children. No recourse to public funds excludes families from various forms of childcare support that are targeted towards working families, including single-parent families. As a result of this exclusion, the cost of childcare means that some parents cannot afford to work or work as many hours as they need. Exclusions from social security provisions, especially in work and childcare support, not only affects family income but also plays a role in how easily parents, especially women, can increase their working hours. The government must change their policy and include migrants and parents with no recourse to public funds in the new provisions. Access to affordable and safe childcare is even more challenging for those migrants with an irregular immigration status or undocumented migrants who are already in poverty and facing social exclusion. We need a policy change regarding childcare provision to include all families with no recourse to public funds. This will allow migrant families to join the labor market, especially women, increase productivity, and bring in more tax receipts to the exchequer. You've been listening to Child Care Voices. This episode was written and produced by Imran Okenya. The series was made as part of a training course run by Hannah Kemp-Welch with support from Rosa Schling and Veronica Deutsch. Sound design by Hannah Kemp-Welch. Thank you to Nanny Solidarity Network for the crash. The Grow Your Own Oral History Project is run by On The Record and funded by Trust for London. Find out more at on-the-record.org.uk or follow us on Twitter at growyourown underscore OHP.